Hallelujah. Well, you guys are probably wondering why I have someone who's so much more handsome than me up here. I usually strategically don't do that because I'm vain and competitive, but there was no way around it. Um, this is Travis Brown. If you guys haven't met him yet, um, you should. He is amazing. And uh, he had a dream recently and he shared it with me. And um, it was a significant dream. And I really felt like that it was a dream that was to be shared corporately. And so he prayed and got uh, some interpretation from the Lord about it for some things for him. Um, but we really discerned that this was also to involve those of you that would, that would identify that and want to respond. So after he shares this word, if it's something where you're like, wow, okay, you know what? I identify with that. I have a sense the Holy Spirit within me, Christ within me, I have a sense that word is for me. We'll give you an opportunity to stand up after he shares, and I'm just going to have Travis pray over you that the Lord would bless you and that this particular blessing um, would come to pass. Okay. Good morning. Um, word of encouragement, like the pastor said, came in the form of a dream. And in the dream, I was standing, looking out over my field, and as I'm watching, my neighbor comes over and he's got his tractor and some kind of a spreader on the back. And he starts going up and down my field and he's spreading lime all over the field. And as he's spreading the lime on my field, I'm, I'm focused on it, a helicopter shows up and starts blowing this lime onto the surrounding properties, onto my neighbors, not just their property, but also the people themselves. And in thinking about that, asking God, well, what, what is this? Um, lime is what they put in soil to bring the pH up to make it perfect for planting. So it's the richest soil that it can be. And by having my neighbor doing this work, that the work is being done by others than myself in preparing the, the soils. And the helicopter representing the, the angelic, spreading it even farther than where I was focused upon. And I'm a business owner, so I was kind of interpreting this through the lens of business. And if there's people that have new ideas, God-inspired thoughts, prototypes, new business startups even, now is the time when the soil is perfect for planting that, to release those into the ground for them to start to spring forth. What is to come, and also into the, the people I know um, some of our new home group stuff will be inviting neighbors over that there's, they've been prepared. Bring them in, time to put Jesus in, into them. Come on. Isn't that a good word? Yeah. <clears throat> Travis couldn't wait to get in front of you. He really enjoys public. Do you want to just take it? Uh, no. I thought that was awesome. <laughs> All right, so if, if that's something that just you sense something in you, you sense the spirit in you saying, man, that's for me. I want you to just stand up. I know I was going to actually call you by name if you didn't stand up. <laughs> Praise God. All right. All right, and Travis is just going to pray over you right now. Heavenly Father, these that have stood that want to receive your word, I pray that you will go deep into their minds, give them the ideas to plant now, Father, produce what you want them to produce. I pray that you will multi-times over expand what is to come. And for the souls around us, Lord, that we come in contact with, I pray that you will let the seeds be perfectly planted. Let us nourish them, Father. And I ask that you would just be glorified in all that we do to further your kingdom, Father. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Thanks for sharing. All right. That's way better than when Agabus said, you know, there's going to be a famine for three years. This is a way more fun word, wouldn't you say? All right. Well, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you for what you're already doing in each of us. Jesus, I thank you that by, by Holy Spirit, you're being formed in each of us, but you're also bringing us together into the fullness and maturity of Christ as the body. Lord, we haven't been saved unto ourselves. You've saved us into your ecclesia, 
We are called out ones. We are the church. We are your bride. Thank you, Lord, for your passionate, jealous love for your bride. Lord, you love us. You never give up on us. You don't treat us cheaply. You don't criticize us. You love us and you nurture us and you're forming Christ in us. And we love you. Lord, we ask as we look at these scriptures, as we, as we hear these things, that it wouldn't just be information, Lord, but that it would bring transformation in our hearts, Lord. That we wouldn't uh, only hear a word and not do it, but that we would hear the word and also be doers of that word. Lord, I thank you that your Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead is working mightily in each of us, forming Christ in us so that these are not just ideals, these are not just religious teachings. Lord, these are life. Your words are life and you're forming through that, through those words and by the power of your Holy Spirit, Christ in each of us. So let it be so. And we thank you, Jesus. Amen. So I shared with, uh, with you last week, but I'm going to recap a little bit. Um, as, as you are probably, if you've been here for any sort of time, then you know that we have a, a trimester approach to how we gather in homes, um, and, and, uh, which is a wonderful part of being the church, is that as we know in Acts, the first description of what had happened in that outpouring of the Holy Spirit, Acts is the birth of the church. Luke wrote both Luke and Acts. Luke was the account of Christ coming in to the world. Acts is the account of the bride of Christ coming into the world. Isn't that beautiful? Acts is the beginning of the church. It's the beginning of the church. And we're that, we're that church. Do you guys know that we're the bride? Come on. Do you know that we're the ecclesia? Yeah, that's the fancy word for church. It's the same thing. It's the called out ones. We're called into God. Did you know that you're the body of Christ? Come on. You're his own workmanship. We can just stop right there. That's just all good stuff. So we begin, to, we begin to see the first description of how the church started to act. Now, many people have tried to make Acts 2, I'm sorry, Acts, yeah, Acts 2, they want to make that into a prescription, but it's not, actually, it's not actually written as a prescription for how church is supposed to happen. It's a description of how church happens. And I have noticed that those that would try to make Acts into a prescription of how church is supposed to happen, they don't usually go to the part of like, hey, if you don't tithe correctly, God will kill you. Not so heavy on that part of the teaching, I've noticed. I noticed people aren't really looking to bring that part back. Um, nor are they bringing back the part where like the Hellenists weren't getting their part of, of, of the food. And, um, and so there was like all that infighting because there was still racism in the church, not trying to get back to that. So it's a description of what happened. It's not a prescription of how it's supposed to be. It's the beginning. But we can look at it and we can say, this is interesting. We can learn from it. Are you guys with me? So we want to see the description of how God started the bride, right? Christ Jesus was, was born as a child, but he grew into a man. Somebody say amen. All right. Well, we started out as the embryonic bride, right? This, this, this baby, this little Christ, and then we're growing and growing until the fullness of Christ is formed in all of us. And God is doing that sovereign, mysterious, holy work. And none of us, none of us can, can do that on our own. We're a part of it. We're part of something bigger than ourselves. Amen? So, so here we are, we're in Acts, and I'm going to just read this to you, and, um, and, uh, and then I'm going to pull it all together, and the Lord's going to help me, and it's going to make sense, and you're going to like it. I'm declaring that in Jesus' name. All right, so, so here we go. I'm going to start on verse 4, and I'm, I'm actually, today, I'm, I'm not giving you scriptures up there, so if, um, and I'm also reading out of the Kingdom New Testament, which is a contemporary translation by N.T. Wright, and by the way, I love it. I love it, and I think you'll love it too. Um, so this is where everyone is saved. So starting in verse four, those who welcomed his word were baptized. About 3,000 people were added to the community that day. This is when Peter is declaring the, the gospel. And they all gave full attention to the teaching of the apostles and to the common life, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And great awe fell on everyone and many remarkable deeds and signs were performed by the apostles. All of those who believed came together and held everything in common. 
They sold their possessions and belongings and divided them up to everyone in proportion to their various needs. So just go ahead and pull out the deeds to your houses and, uh, and your checkbooks and just come lay them at my feet and I'll divide them out according to everybody's needs. How many of you feel that the Lord is asking us to do that? That is, not, that is no bueno. That is not what he's asking. But that was the response in that moment. And that moment in Acts is important because during that moment, they're preparing for the destruction of Jerusalem. That, that they, they're, they're, they're looking for the imminent return of God and they're not sure how long that's going to be. And they also know that Jerusalem is going to be destroyed. So this is a unique moment in time. And, there, and that's, why, that's part of why you see this communal response to the kingdom of heaven. Do you guys see that? So is that the prescription for how God wants us to be as the church now? That everybody sells everything they have and we just bring the money in and lay it at the apostles' feet and then we divide it up as people that have need? No, that was the temporary response to a specific context and situation. You guys see that? All right, so um, day by day, they were all together attending the temple. They broke bread in their various houses and they ate their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and standing in favor with all the people. And every day, the Lord added to their number those who were being rescued. Now, the, the, the part that I, that I want to, that I want to, uh, focus on for a moment here. Day by day, they were all together attending the temple and they broke bread in their various houses. I love that. Praising God. No, I'm sorry. And ate, I'm sorry, okay. they broke bread in their various houses and ate their food with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and standing in favor with all people. They ate their food with glad and sincere hearts in their homes, one with another, and they met together in the temple. What we have at this point if you look around, this is, the larger, this is the larger gathering. This is part of the rhythm of following Christ, that we come together in this, as it were, the temple. We come together, we hear the teachings of the apostles and the teachers and the pastors. We hear those teachings. We inculcate the word of Christ. We're listening to the scriptures. We worship God in a transcendent way. We're focusing together on God. What do I mean transcendent? I mean, it's... it's we're, we're, we're focusing on him together. We're part of the body of Christ. It's not, it's not about one of us. It's about all of us. Amen? And we're responding to him to fulfill those scriptures. And it says that, it says Christ, he, he dwells in the praises of his people. There's something amazing that happens when we follow what Christ has done in this large setting that God actually indwells the praises of his people. He brings his presence in a specific way. But it doesn't just stop there, does it? Then we take those teachings, we take those, the preaching of the word, we, we allow that to go into our hearts, we respond to that. There's, a, there's, actually a, there's actually a burden, by the way, on those that are in the, in the, in the setting that are, that are overseeing the church. In fact, it says this, in uh, Hebrews 13, one through two, it says this, do not neglect to, to do good and to share with others. For with such sacrifices, God is pleased. And then it says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. To this end, allow them to lead with joy and not with grief, for that would be of no advantage to you. So did you catch this? That those that are called to lead, those that are called to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, have to answer to God for the condition of your soul. That, that's not a light thing. You see, you are the bride of Christ. You have been purchased by the blood of the lamb. You are of immeasurable value. And you are being formed and fitted together by the power of the Holy Spirit with me and with all of us to show the glory of God and to extend the kingdom. And you will be presented, and we together, we will be presented without stain or blemish to Jesus. And in all of this, God says he's faithful to complete the good work that he's begun in each of us until we come together into the fullness of Christ. So, so anybody who, <laughs> it just makes you go, wow, we're talking about God's wife. 
right? You, you know those things like where you like, you ain't going to talk about my mama like that, right? Yeah? Like, you, I know you didn't talk about my mama like that, right? Well, it's like that. Like, um, you talking about God's bride? Like, we better be careful about the way we talk about God's bride. And, and so, so here is, here's these scriptures and it's saying, okay, so then for those of us that are, that are appointed and called by God to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, well, the saints are the bride of Christ. We are together the bride of Christ. But, but there's this call that says, those that have been called to do that, we have to do that with a, with a tremendous sense of gravity and humility and passion and consistency, but with some fear and trembling. Because I will actually give account for your soul. That, those aren't my words. That's Hebrews chapter 13, verses 17. They watch over your souls as those who must give an account. Now, why did God do that? Because we are interdependent. We are all together extending the kingdom. You have Christ in you. I have Christ in me. But I don't have all of Christ in me, as it were. We together have all of Christ in us. Do you see that? So we're interdependent. And, why, and then it says, he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some pastors, some evangelists to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry until we all come into the fullness of Christ. So, so why, why do I have to give an account for the souls of those that would come into this particular building that houses those that identify themselves as the tribe called Christ Center, right? We're part of that body. So here's this, Here's this group. Why do I have to give an account for your souls? Because I have been given power and authority by God to empower you, not because I'm smarter, not because I'm more righteous or holy, not for any other reason than that we are interdependent and only together can fulfill the fullness of what he wants to do. Do you guys see that? You see, it, it's... I, I didn't make this up. I didn't appoint myself. I mean, if you guys know my story, I didn't even want to be a pastor. I have the most crazy path to being the senior leader here, and I don't have time to go into it, but all, all that is to say, I didn't elect to be here. Now, now why, am I, why, am I, why am I mentioning this? I'm mentioning this because we live in a day and an age where... You guys, you guys recall the scripture where it says, and in those days there was no king in the land and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. I, I would say if there's a spirit of the moment that we're in chronologically right now in America, in the West, in this moment, I would say that is an apt description of what we're seeing all around. Everybody just does what's right in their own eyes. And, and, the, and the general sense is you, you do you and as long as it doesn't hurt anyone else, you should be allowed to do you, right? Now, let me say this. We are actually in an epic season, an epoch season, that Christ has actually given common grace over the whole world, that he's not here to judge the world, but to save it, which means he's actually allowing people to actively sin against him, and he's not punishing them for it. Because right now, he's seeking to save everyone in the world. So he has actually allowed people to do whatever they want, as long as it doesn't hurt other people. If it starts hurting other people, what happens? The government steps in and intervenes, right? It's common grace. Are you guys with me? So for the world, that's actually acceptable to tell you the truth. Why? Because you're in the world. But this house, these saints, we're not in the world. And so we have a different operating system. And that operating system isn't that we get to opt in and opt out of the parts of the kingdom that we're most comfortable with and color things the way we want to color them or interpret them the way we want to interpret them based on either our woundings or our ambitions or our naivety. Are you with me? And so what we have to do is we have to say, wait a minute, Christ is being formed in me. If I have opted to be a follower of Christ, I don't get to choose what that means. 
Christ chooses what that means. So I have now become a learner of Christ. Now the teachings of Christ have to become that which molds, directs, corrects, and shapes everything that I am and everything that I do. Is that true? Now, we don't have to tell the world that they need to follow Christ because Christ isn't telling them they have to follow him. He's saying, I sure would like it if you would. I gave my life. I paid up front. If you will be saved and, 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 and become a follower of me, I will give you eternal life. But if you won't, he's not actually punishing the world. There will be a day of judgment, but we don't know when that is. We just know it will be just and it will be final. And until that day, we're in this time of, of God saying, I desire that none should perish, but all should have everlasting life. If anyone would choose me, then I will teach them my way. And, and so, so, so that's how we got in. But now we're in. Now we're in Christ. And we live in a world that says you should be able to opt in and out of whatever you want based on your own understanding, da, 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 da. That doesn't work in Christ. In Christ, we have to say, Lord, I want you to be formed in me. And you saved me not just unto you, but unto your body, the bride. And you've made me interdependent. And so then suddenly we have to look at the scriptures and say, oh, Christ, you want to be formed in me then. What does that look like? What, what do I need to do? How do, I, how do you want me to respond? How do you want me to have a rhythm that's life and life abundantly? Are you guys still tracking with me here? Okay. So, so let, me read, let, me, let me read this. The first thing is we, we get the, the, the first response of the church. They're meeting in the temple and then they're meeting in homes, which was wonderful. And they're breaking bread. So you have this corporate time together in the temple. But then you have these times where they come together in homes and they break bread. Guys, we broke bread today, communion. All right, that's part of that rhythm. That's part of that liturgy is that he said, as often as you gather, do this in remembrance of me. And so the love feast, you would come together, you would break bread and you would also take communion. You remember when Christ first came back from the dead? And the disciples didn't recognize him yet. They were so sad and they were just blinded to it, right? And, and he's talking with them and he tells them everything. They don't recognize him. They don't recognize him. They don't recognize him. Then he breaks the bread and he takes the fish and he hands it to them. And suddenly their eyes open like, you're the Christ. You, you're, it's you, right? Guys, it was, it was, it was Holy Communion. It was Eucharist. It was Christ. It was good Christ, and their eyes were open because, there's, because God has actually made it that part of our liturgy with him, part of our rhythm with him, is to break bread together. Because when we eat food together, when we break bread together, we're literally preaching the table that you're welcomed to is the family table. You are, you are welcomed to the family table of God. And when we break the bread, we say, this is his body, which was broken for you. you. You are able to come in because of what he did. You're not rejected. There's a space for you at the table. When you drink the wine or juice, depending on how you roll at your table, this is the, this is the blood that was poured out. And what are you doing? It's, you know what it's called, guys? It's called communion. You're inviting someone into communion with Christ who's in you, and you're communing with Christ who's in them. And then you have these beautiful scriptures out of Matthew 18. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there in the midst of them. Now, I'm actually taking that out of context. It works for this. The context of this is actually when you're confronting a brother or a sister who has sinned. And you go to them alone. Then you go to them with someone else. And then if they, if they'll, they'll either repent and you can agree for Christ to be, for them to be restored to Christ and Christ, and I'm sorry, them to Christ and you with them, or you agree to say, we hand you over to Satan for the destruction of your flesh, and hopefully your spirit will be saved. That's intense, isn't it? Isn't that intense? The Bible freaks me out. I have to come up here and talk publicly about these things, by the way. 
That's intense. You remember when Paul said, I've already, in 1 Corinthians, he said, I've already handed him over to Satan for the destruction of his flesh, hopefully for the saving of his soul. And you know what happened? That guy repented, and in the next letter, he said, hey, welcome him back. He's not married to his mom anymore, because that was the sin. He'd married his mom. He's like, you guys have got sins that the world doesn't even do. And he handed him over. Well, what happened? That dude's life started to have some, get the hurt put down on it, and he repented. And he was restored. And you know what's wild about that? Is the fullness of that was that two agreed touching that thing. We agree that this person, God, that you would please help them to repent, God. But they won't repent. So we're handing them over to the one that they're serving right now. This is intense. I don't even know. Are you guys doing okay? It's in the Bible. But this is an intense part of the kingdom. The reason why I'm bringing this up is not to scare anybody, and it's not to be manipulative. It's to say that we are working out our salvation with fear and trembling, not with arrogance. Are you with me? These are, this is a real thing. We are the bride of Christ. Think about that for a moment. You are a holy and a peculiar people set apart by God, purchased with his blood, and the spirit of God that raised Christ from the dead is forming Christ in us, not alone, together. That means that I'm submitted to you and you're submitted to me. But we're all different kinds of gifts. Now, I, start, I, I mentioned the fact that we have the spirit of the world that says, I want to opt into this and I want to opt out of that. I like this part, but I don't like that part. And it's for myriad different reasons, and many of them are good reasons, by the way. I, I don't think there's somebody in here that's just an unreasonable jerk face that's just like, I like it my way and I, and so, grr. No, most of us have been hurt by the misapplication of authority or by misunderstandings. And also, by the way, we have an enemy, and he's called the accuser of the brethren. And maybe some of the stuff you believe about other leaders and other people might be a lie, and there might be a lying liar that keeps telling you them. Can I get an Amen. Sometimes we need to remember we actually have an enemy. Like when you think you're smarter than everybody else in the room and they're all jerks and you don't like them, take a moment and go, wait a minute, I have an enemy. Could I be believing a lie about them? Could there be a disparity between the way I'm talking about the bride of Christ and the way Christ is talking about the bride of Christ? Can you receive that? So, so we are looking to align ourselves with the king of kings, align ourselves with who we are in the body of Christ, and, and that alignment means, Jesus, how do you, how did you form the world? Everything is held together in you. So how do you want me to co-labor with others? And what we see through the teachings of the apostles is we see that they were gathering together in a large group, and they were gathering together in small groups. And, and, the, and communion, the breaking of bread together, is a huge part of how we actually live out the kingdom and preach the gospel of Christ. Because Christ is formed in us, and when we gather two or three in his name, he's there in the midst. Now, when you gather together, by the way, this is, this is, so, this is so fun. When you gather together, there are, there are many of us that have that have gathered together, right? There's two or more gathering, right? And we've hung out. But Christ was certainly not in the midst, have, right? We've all had those days where you're like, oh boy, I have more to repent of than I have to rejoice of over that meeting. Maybe it's just me. All right, so that was for you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm still growing. And then there's a different thing where when we gather with, with the desire and cognizant of Christ in our midst, See, there's a gathering where we're saying, let's gather together because Christ is in our midst. He's in me and he's in you. Let's gather together and let's, let's let him be the center. And so then when we break the bread and we drink the wine, rather than getting drunk, we just get happy. Rather than gossiping about how much smarter we are than all the other Christians... We're humbled by the grace of God and the fact that he would even include me in this grand story and let me be a part of that great bride. And maybe even spend some time repenting to each other for the way that we disparaged God's wife.
what I want you to leave with today is, are a couple of things. But I want you to be encouraged primarily with this. Christ is in you. And when you invite someone to be with you, you're inviting them to be with Christ. And when we bring people into our homes and we break bread and we've already prayed and said, Lord Jesus, I want you to be manifested, incarnated in this time. As we break bread, Lord, let the eyes, if, if it's someone who does not yet believe, let the eyes of their understanding be opened. If it's someone that does believe, let our eyes of our understanding be all the more opened. As we, as we drink the wine or the juice, may we all the more appreciate the fact that you've made us family and made us one and let it, and let it move uh, beyond, no, and let it increase, and let it increase. We, uh, speaking of just, a, I'll just tell you, I'll share a story with you. Karen and I, we, we were to host a particular gathering. One of two, definitely one of the guests that was coming is just a very, challenging person. Does anybody here know a challenging person? Yeah. And it's not that you don't love them. It, you actually love them. You want to see them thrive. But it's like they, you know, if, like if someone threw a rock in the air, it would always hit them in the head, right? Like if there was a virus going around, they're going to get it. They're just, you know, or they're the kind of person that the glass is always half empty and cracked, and they cut themselves on it. Like that kind of a situation. And you just like, you, you know what I'm saying. I think I've said enough. So, 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 these, so the, the group that was going to come involved this person. And I was just like, oh, sweet Lord God Almighty. And, um, and so I talked to Karen and I said, you know what? Okay, you know what? No, we are not going to just accept that the person with the lowest level of joy gets to set the tone for the whole group that's not cool. Like, why do they get to do that? <laughs> so, so here's what we're going to do. Let's invite Jesus to come. Let's, let's pray and let's invite Jesus to come and to be the center of this event in our home. And so we did. We just said, Jesus, you're so much fun. You're so amazing. You're the, you're the Prince of Peace. I like to remind Jesus who he is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what's going on. Um, Jesus, you're the Prince of Peace. You're the, you are the Prince of Shalom. The sh you know, Shalom is on your shoulder, right? At the end, and it's increased, there will be no end. Will you bring Shalom into my home? Will you come and will you fill this place with your presence? Holy Spirit, joy is one of the three things that you do, right? Righteousness, peace, and joy. God, we... Holy Spirit, you were invited to this party, Jesus. <laughs> and you guys, it was so cool. This person came, and the other guests came. I, ca I honestly can't even tell you how it happened. I don't know how it happened. All I know is that they came, and greetings were given, and hugs were given, and we started to eat food. And at the end of the meal, I, I honestly don't know who said what, but somebody mentioned... Somebody mentioned an old Vanilla Ice song. You know, they were like, right? And, I, and so I just went over and I popped up Spotify and I just turned it on, like kind of loud. And then all of a sudden my wife pops up and a couple other guests pop up and we're all like dance party, <laughs> like had a full on 90s like dance party. And then we just started doing, like, people started just requesting music. These are not, this is not dance party people that was at this party. <laughs> and we laughed, and we, we, had a, we had a dance party, and Vanilla Ice was there, and it was still a good dance party. <laughs> Why? Because we asked Jesus to be incarnated in our party. We said, Jesus, we're going to be gathering and we want you to be in the midst. And he showed up and, and he turned it into a dance party. That's a good story, isn't it? It's a true story. I, I, still, I still am like, how did that happen? Everybody danced. 
Everybody danced. It was hilarious. And, and when they left, Karen and I were looking at each other and we were like, like, we should invite Jesus to our parties more often. What, is, what are we doing? We have been doing this wrong. You know, in that particular gathering, we, we didn't, it wasn't a Bible study that time. I, I love Bible studies, but, but we, didn't, we didn't open the scriptures up as a part of the liturgy of that particular party. We had Christ of the scriptures at the table. And so we had peace and joy and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And we had a really nice time. And you know what? I'm more in love with those people and that particular glass half empty, cracked glass, cut yourself on it person has been genuinely more pleasant since that party and has mentioned it several times. So, not that, they're, not that they're generally more pleasant, but mention how much they enjoyed the party. And they are generally more pleasant. You know, I'm the only one talking and I'm still messing it up. So I'm gonna interrupt my own self. Are you guys seeing this? You see, and you have the same Christ in you. So you can invite Christ to any table you sit at. And that's what he wants from us. He, that's what he wants from us. And now I mentioned, this, I mentioned this, this body of Christ of which we're a part. And it, you know, he really didn't make it easy on us, right? We're the body of Christ, but we're also the bride of Christ. And we're the ecclesia called out ones. And we're sons and daughters. And then David calls us gods. So, little g, but nonetheless... Whew. This kingdom stuff, there's never a dull moment. I, I brought up the part about, I brought up the part about that I, I must give an account to the Lord for the condition of your souls is an interdependent call. That we're, we're actually called to do things together that we cannot do apart. And in fact, if we're not willing to submit ourselves to the body of Christ in the way that he's called us to do it, we actually take ourselves out of the flow of how his authority works because God is the author of all authority and all authority is appointed by him. I'm not saying there aren't people that are using authority in rogue ways. That's not what I'm saying. We see that clearly happens. And I'm not, so, so that's not what I'm saying. Authority is like, a really naughty word. Like I said it in first service and it was just like this, just a cold front, like, what do you mean by that? Um, it's, it's delegated because here's the thing. Authority is power and power can bring life. You, you have the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you, forming Christ. But part of how Holy Spirit is working inside of us forming Christ is not individually. It's not, it's not forming Christ in a lair and forming Christ in Joshua and we're all good and if we don't see each other again, whatever. No, we're actually called to be together in a local church as a part of the body of Christ. And, and, this, and, and there are those, and we see that all the time because the accuser brethren comes in and goes, has God really said you have to be a part of something? Has he really said that? Which, you know, he's good at asking those questions. Remember the garden? Has he really said that? Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, he was asking that same question of the believers there. And the, and the author says to them, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. They were starting to get that cute idea of like, let's do it our own way. Like, we're not, we're not, we don't, we don't need this. We don't need this. We'll just do this. We'll do our thing. But what we see through the history of the, the church, the ecclesia, the bride of Christ from Acts moving forward is the apostles are having to consistently tell the believers, you need to keep meeting together. You need to keep getting together in the large group and you need to keep getting together in your homes. And that has not changed. And neither have the accusations of the enemy. He comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. He comes to divide. And the best way that he can do that is to cause you 
to be afraid of the idea of mutual submission to Christ, to one another, and that we actually submit ourselves to leaders. We live in a day and an age where even like that sentence was almost like a swear word for a couple of you. You were like, did you just say submit yourself to a leader? Like, why don't you just punch me in the throat? I ain't doing it, right? And the reason why is because we have seen abuse of authority. Like we've seen bad leaders. We've seen spiritual manipulation. We've seen all of the negative things that someone can do with power that brought death, right? The power of life and death is in the tongue. Both powers, I'm sorry, power to do both things. You could, you could create life with your mouth or you can create death with your mouth. Well, it's the same thing with leadership. You can create life for those things that have been entrusted to you or you can create death because you have actual power. And then you have to give an account for what you created. But what you can't do is do away with the fact that God actually has given true authority to the body of Christ to do things a certain way. And, and I, I just want to say, like, I'm not cavalier about this. This is where I read the part where it says they, that I watch over souls and I have to give an account. So that means I don't get to be cute and make a little smart aleck comment because I had a bad day and gouge somebody to where they walk away from the church for 10 years and the Lord's like, hope. he's not going to say hope is worth it. He's going to say that was not worth it. You, you don't get to treat my bride like that. You're part of it and you don't get to treat them like, you know what I mean? But, but here's the thing. If we don't align ourselves with what he's doing together, and again, I'm not talking about blind obedience here. There's nothing in the scriptures that says anything about blind obedience. It's all about complete, total transparency and vulnerability and servant leadership. It's all about a, a, the leader, Jesus, who said, I want you to lead like I lead. I laid my life down. It's all about, that's what that looks like. So we're talking about true, healthy leadership. But here's the thing. We have to actually accept that there is such a thing. Because one, if we won't accept it, we remove protection from our own life, we remove power from our own life, and we remove substance and organization from our own life. And the enemy is the one that comes to divide. He's the one that wants to get you out on your own where it's, you know, it's, it's us four and no more, right? We got this thing. We know what's up. We've got the new revelation of what God truly wants to do. He gave us a better, we're not like all those other dinguses. You are like two minutes away from, as bread would say, the enemy coming over and eating your lunch and popping the bag, right? The banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten. So, so we're in this together. But there is authority, there's life from God that flows when we, as the body of Christ, live like the body of Christ. It's a covenant. It's, it's solid. Like, it's solid. You can count on me, and I can count on you. And they, and they, and they, and they, and they. And when people see this, and this is what's so wild, is it says, and when they see your love one for another, then they will believe, Jesus speaking, when they see your love one for another, they will believe that my Father sent me. The validity of my message is based on whether or not we are actually covenant people. And don't give me that, don't give me that, no, 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 don't give me, that sounds too snotty. What I mean is like this, don't allow yourself to naively say, oh, no, no, I love all kinds of people. I, I, I love everybody. I'm in love with the whole body of Christ. No, you're limited in how many relationships you can actually have. You can have a ton of acquaintances. There's a proverb that says, There's, there are those, a man with too many friends comes to ruin. Why? Because you only have the bandwidth to actually have a certain amount of real relationships. And you're called to have them in the context of being the bride of Christ. It takes a lot of years to transform cities. And it requires that you stay with those that God's put you with. And it also requires that we submit to Christ and one to another and actually agree like, this is what God is speaking to our leaders. And I didn't think of it. I might not even like the idea yet, but my default is not gonna be, well, I didn't think of it and I don't like it, so I ain't doing it. 
Because that's just the spirit of the world. You just opt in, you opt out. You opt in, you opt out. But we're not in the world. We're the bride of Christ. Do you guys see that? So why, why am I saying this? I hope, I, hope it's evident, I hope it's self-evident why I'm saying this. I'm saying this because the power of what we do can often be missed because of the simplicity of what we do. The fact that we gather on a Sunday and worship the Lord together and look at the same Jesus and examine the same scriptures and hear the same Holy Spirit and hear the same, you know, we just all listen to a dream that God gave to Travis for Travis, but also for all of us. And we were all in the same room to hear it together. And then some of you received something from it. Why? Because dad loves us. And because we're a unique part of the bride. And we've been called one to another. But if you're not here, you don't share in that. Do you, do you see that? It's, it's very, very real. But it's so simple because you think, how does 90 minutes really matter? How does it matter? And it's a good question. It's like, is it really that important? Is it? And the scriptures would say it's very, very important. It's that important. It's just as important as that you take a cracker and some juice and you go. <laughs> that is so goofy, right? It's just as important that you invite people over and make sure you eat meals with them. You're like, but they're going to eat meals anyway. No, I want them to eat meals with you. But that's just such a small thing. Yes, which means you can do it. That's the brilliance of it. The brilliance of, of coming together in this setting is that we can actually do it. And it's not, and, and his yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not even hard. It's challenging sometimes. But that's just growing pains. And then we meet in our homes. We meet in our homes and we break bread. And, and Christ is formed in us and with us. So this season... As we're, as we're engaging in this, as we're saying, okay, Lord, you've, you've told us as a tribe to take this next season and to not engage in home groups the way that we normally do. So we're not doing spring home groups. We're not doing a meeting around a certain teaching or meeting around a certain, the, the way that we've, that we've done it, which is a very, very cool and elegant part of, of our discipleship process. It's wonderful. But he, he interrupted it because he's the Lord. And so... Um, so this is what he's bringing up. Breaking bread in your homes with gratitude and sincerity of heart. Now here's the thing. You all have Christ in you and you just found out how easy it is to invite him to the party. But what I would like for us to do, and this is, this, I shared it last week and um, I, I say I would like actually. I feel like this is what the Lord is asking us to do so I won't be uh, mealy about that. What the Lord's asking us to do is to ask him who he has on his heart for you to have at your table. Starting, first of all, in the family. Christ, you're in me. Who would you like to invite to your party at my house? And then the, and then the second one is, as Travis is saying, is Lord, who are those that are, that are in my neighborhood that I want to invite them to a dinner party that you're at? The presence of Jesus changes everything. People love hanging out with Jesus. He turns weird situations into dance parties. <laughs> he turns water into wine. Come on. Are you, can you guys receive this? I want you to know, um, some of you may be here for the very first time, um, we don't, I'm, I've been here for 12 years on, on staff, and as the senior leader, I think this might be the first time I've ever used that or quoted that scripture about, about authority and about submitting to your leaders. I don't think I've ever spoken on that scripture. So I just want you to know if you're here for the first time, this is not the norm that we come in and be like, okay, y'all, first of all, submit. And you know to who. No, we, we, that's not it at all. What I'm saying is I'm looking to submit to Christ and in order for us to do that, we can't apologize that we've all been given as gifts. And some of us, the gift that we are to the body is as a leader who has to give an account for the souls in the tribe that we're leading. 
So that involves organization. That involves looking at what we're studying and, 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 and looking at how we flow together in this room when we gather. This is just a room until the ecclesia comes into it. So, so I have to give an account for that. But, but it also means that the Lord can actually take us and do something like say, I want you to, I want Christ Center, my bride, I want you to turn your attention towards the foster care crisis. And then, then we have like seven foster families that said yes, and then over 100 people that said we'll support those foster families. Why? Because that's what Christ said and because we were able to make that call. Why? Because we're in the room together. Because we're in a family together. Now, the family exists outside of this room. Don't, don't misunderstand. But the family needs to get together for 90 minutes so we can be on the same page and be with dad together. And look at the scriptures together and have Christ formed in us together. And remember that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, Something bigger than our own perspective. And it should be humbling and empowering. Not belittling and controlling. And if you've been here for any, any amount of time, you'll see that that bears out. And, and my door is open. If there's ever a time where something comes across your grid and you're like, dude, that hit me weird. I have questions. Um, just call the front office and you will get a meeting with me. Or most likely Jason. He screws it up more than me. Just kidding. <laughs> Let's pray. Stand to your feet, if you would. Father, I want to thank you so much for this incredible, this incredible group of people who is your bride, your ecclesia, your called out ones, those that you've birthed and brought to this place for such a time as this. And God, I, I pray that any curse that's been spoken over this beloved group, that it would fall to the ground because a curse without cause will not alight. Father, I pray that every blessing that you intend for this people, that they would receive it, first and foremost, that the eyes of our understanding would be open, that we would see you the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of your love and the goodness of who you are. Lord, I pray that we together would have Christ formed in us, that we would be able to move forward in honor and love and vulnerability and obedience unto you, God, that we would glorify you and that people would find at this table Christ himself. I ask in your name, Lord. 